chapter four of finding a way out an autobiography by robert r moton this librivox recording is in the public domain doing and learning that night i took the same steamer on which i had arrived and landed at old point in the following morning the thirteenth of october eighteen eighty five i took a hack which carried me and my little trunk past fortress monroe and up through the little town of phoebus then mill creek and on to the grounds of the hampton institute it was to me the most beautiful place i had ever seen we drove up through the school farm past the old butler school this was a school that had been built under the direction of general butler during the civil war for the children of the freedmen out of the lumber that had been used much of it in hospital barracks we passed on through many acres of vegetables which hampton had cultivated and passed the national soldiers home cemetery where stood some four thousand or more marble headstones marking the final resting-place of men who gave their all to preserve the union it is interesting that in that same cemetery cared for by the federal government there are many hundreds of confederate soldiers also looking upon the well-kept grounds of the institute the water-front the neat and imposing buildings and farm-lands i felt almost as if i were in another world a few mischievous boys took occasion to have some fun at my expense they were already calling out fresh fish and two or three of them yanked my small trunk out of the carriage and balanced it on their fingers as waiters balance their trays in hotels some suggested that it weighed ten pounds others five one little fellow by the name of bates as i remember whom i afterward found to be a fine baseball player wanted to bet it would weigh not over two and three-fourths pounds i must confess that the small trunk was entirely out of proportion to the size of its one hundred and seventy-five pound eighteen-year-old and somewhat awkward owner but i went through the ordeal good-naturedly and finally one of the older boys was kind enough to show me to the office where i presented myself to the commandant the rev george l curtis who later served for many years as a clergyman in bloomfield new jersey he sent me for examination to miss anna g baldwin the head teacher in the night school she seemed to me very cold and unsympathetic but i found afterward that i had misjudged her she was in fact kind and very sympathetic though her manner like that of many new englanders was cold austere and very businesslike the white women with whom i had dealt before had in their manner and speech a certain sympathetic quality that put one rather at ease than otherwise anyhow i failed utterly to pass the entrance examination though it seemed even at that time to be easy i think i was bewildered everything was new and confusing baltimore experiences my seasickness so many students the battalion and band all were so strange that i found it difficult even to see the print which was given me to read or the figures with which i was working i was very much upset over my failure i returned to the office and handed mr curtis the note which announced it he too seemed very much disappointed he was at the same time sympathetic and told me frankly that he was very sorry that i had not passed from what i had told him of the work i had done in school he had thought i would have no difficulty in passing but would make a rather high class he passed the note to mr f c briggs 
than the business agent of hapton institute who sat at a desk near him the two whispered some words to which at the time i did not think it improper for me to listen mr briggs remarked and by the way i thought all the time mr briggs was general armstrong in an undertone to mr curtis it is too bad i like his face he has a very honest look adding i think you had better keep him if you can mr curtis then turned to me with the words well young man what are you going to do you have failed to pass your examination to enter even the lowest class i told him that i had come to stay at any cost and that i thought my failure was due to my new surroundings that i had not been in school for about two years and had read an occasional newspaper and an occasional book when i could get hold of one but had done no work in arithmetic except of the simplest kind and had written only an occasional letter so that i thought i was rusty he wanted to know if i had any objection to hard work i assured him i was not afraid of hard work that i had worked hard all my life so he said he would give me a choice of work asking whether i would like to go to the kitchen or to the farm or whether i would prefer the sawmill as i had worked at a sawmill and had some knowledge of lumber i preferred the sawmill and was so assigned i found this mill much larger and much more complicated than any i had seen before i was put under the charge of a student edward r jackson whom the boys called big jack he was to instruct me in hampton's methods of grading and piling lumber i was also admitted on trial to the lowest class in the night school on the second afternoon of my sawmill work while piling lumber with big jack the rev h b frissell the school chaplain and vice-principal came up and engaged us or rather me in conversation he knew jackson for jackson was then in what was known as the pastor's class the school for bible study at hampton where he was then fitting himself for the ministry he afterward became a minister and had a large church in alexandria virginia where for many years he did very effective work as a teacher and preacher mr frissell asked me many questions if i was happy at hampton whether i liked the place and people he inquired about my home and family his kindly expressed wish that i should have a successful career at hampton and his assurance that i was in the middle of friends made a deep impression on me and strengthened very much my determination to remain at hampton and to succeed for that afternoon i had experienced a certain kind of longing for home that affected me more than at any time during my entire stay at the institute later i was transferred from piling lumber to a raft of logs in the creek to get off the chains i was shown how to perform this operation by another virginia boy by the name of john h palmer he went about his work very quietly and always most faithfully and steadily and as he showed me how to remove the chains i was impressed by his kindness and patience it is more than interesting that this same j h palmer is now registrar at tuskegee institute where for many years he has been just as kind and faithful as an officer as on that day thirty-four years ago when he showed me how to take the chains off of logs that were brought from north carolina through the dismal swamp across hampton roads to the school sawmill i remember so well my first sunday night at hampton six hundred or more students negroes and indians with a hundred or more white people assembled for evening prayers a modest unassuming gentleman with a soothing voice conducted the services i do not remember the passage he read but there were two or three petitions in his prayer that stirred my youthful emotions and brought over me a feeling hard then and hard now to describe a few days before amid unattractive meagre cabin surroundings 
i had bidden good-bye to an earnest hard-working devoted christian mother in this simple yet inspiring prayer mr frissell who had so kindly spoken to me a few days before asked god's blessing upon the humble mothers and fathers in all of the homes represented by the young people before him the poorest as well as the best and he prayed that amid the pleasant surroundings of hampton institute the young people would always remember their parents who did not live all of them in such an environment as we had at hampton it seemed most strange to me amid new surroundings and so many new faces that everybody should turn aside from work and study and that this gentleman a stranger to me should be thinking as i supposed about my old mother and that he should put in such beautiful words the very thoughts and feelings which were in my own mind from that night i made up my mind that hampton was a very good place for me to be and from that night also i knew mr frissell was our friend that he was interested in all that concerned us that he was a man in whom i could confide the students sang plantation songs the religious folk songs of the negro i had been brought up on this kind of music and was very familiar with many of the songs that were sung but somehow there was something about this singing led by a tall very handsome black man with a deep and melodious baritone voice with the four parts blending almost as if there were just one great voice singing that almost carried me into a new world i had never heard such singing but somehow notwithstanding my thorough enjoyment of the music the dress and the manner of the pupils and my real appreciation of being in such a wonderful institution i was disappointed to hear these songs sung by educated people and in an educational institution i had expected to hear regular church music such as would be sung by white people mostly and such as was written as i supposed by white people also i had come to school to learn to do things differently to sing to speak and to use the language and of course the music not of colored people but of white people one of my newly made friends thomas b patterson who sat next me in chapel and with whom i worked at the sawmill and who to this day is noted for his frankness of expression whispered to me saying what do you think of that music my reply was the singing is all right but this is no place for it as the group of us walked on toward our quarters i did not hesitate to express my opinion regarding this music and most of the new boys agreed emphatically with my attitude one or two of the older students argued that the songs were beautiful and people enjoyed them so why should we not sing them the only reply i could give was that they were negro songs and that we had come to hampton to learn something better and then too i objected to exhibiting the religious and emotional side of our people to white folks for i suppose the latter listened to these songs simply for entertainment and perhaps amusement i had frequently seen white people at negro gatherings in my own community and at the feeling that many of them came merely to be entertained i remember how strongly i felt many years before then when i attended robinson's circus in our little village of farmville i remember the animals of which i had only seen pictures before and also the ring performances fancy writing antics of the clowns and so forth at the close of the main performance a concert was announced and my last ten cents was paid for it some twenty or thirty men with faces blackened appeared in a semicircle with banjos tambourines and the like the stories they told and the performances they gave were indeed most interesting to me but i remember how shocked i was when they sang wear dem golden slippers to walk dem golden streets two men dancing to the tune exactly as it was sung by the people in the negro churches of my community this song was as sacred to me as nearer my god to thee or old hundred i felt that these white men were making fun 
not only of our color and of our songs but also of our religion it took three years of training at hampton institute to bring me to the point of being willing to sing negro songs in the presence of white people white minstrels with black faces have done more than any other single agency to lower the tone of negro music and cause the negro to despise his own songs indeed the feeling of the average negro to-day is that the average white man expects him to jump jim crow or do the buffoon act whether in music or in other things it is a source of gratification therefore to negroes generally that fisk university hampton institute tuskegee institute and many other negro educational institutions have persistently preserved and used the folk music of their people in keeping with the spirit of its origin thus not only elevating it in the estimation of colored people but causing others also to appreciate its value and beauty a few sunday evenings later when general armstrong had returned to the institute he spoke in his own forceful manner to the students about respecting themselves their race their history their traditions their songs and folk lore in general he referred then to the negro songs as a priceless legacy which he hoped every negro student would always cherish i was impressed with him and with his address but i was not entirely convinced however i was led to think along a little different line regarding my race the truth is it was the first time i had ever given any serious thought to anything distinctively negro this also was the first time in my life that i had begun to think that there was anything that the negro had that was deserving of particular consideration this meant a readjustment of values that was not particularly easy for a raw country lad i think it was in december of eighteen eighty five or late in november that a group of boys of which i was one was returning from the soldiers home which is separated from hampton institute only by a creek we had noticed before going over a colored man going through the engine-room and boiler-room and over the lumber-yard looking at the machinery lumber sawmill planing-mill etc and we met this same man on our return going through the orchard the farm and the truck garden we wondered who this man could be who seemed rather familiar with things at hampton and at the same time appeared to be very much interested in all the work of the place when we went to chapel that night this gentleman sat next to general armstrong on the platform in the old witten chapel there were many visitors from the hotels in the town as well as the regular audience and there were more teachers in chapel than usual it was the first time i had seen a colored man on the speaker's platform we were glad and took much pride as the negro students generally did in any honor that came to a colored man at hampton that is any special recognition that came from general armstrong after the usual devotional exercises general armstrong in his characteristic way introduced this gentleman to the audience he presented him as booker t washington of tuskegee i remember now what a beautiful introduction general armstrong gave him he spoke of the possibilities of the work at tuskegee and felt very sure that tuskegee would some day be as large as hampton if not larger and he had predicted that booker t washington would eventually be recognized as one of america's most distinguished citizens he made this statement he said because he was thoroughly acquainted with the man of whom he was speaking booker washington he said had been one of his boys that he had served as his private secretary and that he had recommended him for the work in alabama that during the past five years he had had wonderful success in gaining the goodwill of the white people and the colored people surrounding the institute and that the north had responded to his appeals for aid indeed general armstrong had given no one so strong and 
it seemed to us so flattering an introduction though many distinguished visitors had already appeared on that platform since i had entered school there was not much known then of booker t washington though general armstrong and others had frequently referred to him and the work which he had started at tuskegee in alabama even at this time general armstrong had pointed him out as a sample of what he hoped the hampton students would look forward to becoming after completing their education he hoped they would start schools on the hampton plan in rural communities while we were pleased at the introduction we were anxious that this colored man should measure up with his address to what general armstrong said in the presence of so many white people to say nothing of the colored people it made us all the more anxious that the colored man should appear to good advantage and i confess as i think of it now the appearance of the speaker did not impress us strongly i remember some boys whispered we're gone to-night there is something pathetic sometimes i think about the anxiety on the part of colored people that one of their number shall show up to good advantage the conditions under which we live the early predictions that the negro would not succeed and the persistent comment that he is an inferior individual have created in the race an anxiety and an earnest desire that every effort the negro puts forth shall be of the best we were especially anxious therefore that on that occasion he should hit the bull's-eye as we used to say he had not spoken many minutes before all of our anxiety had disappeared he started off by telling a story which i do not recall at this time but i know it was something about eating partridges he spoke of what he was trying to do at tuskegee institute and said modestly that he was trying to carry out as any graduate should do the ideas of general armstrong and hampton he spoke clearly of the importance and value of trade education and pointed out the fact that the men who had learned their trades in slavery were passing and that white men were taking their places he emphasized the importance of rural life buying farms good homes and the degradation of one-room cabin life and while he did not in any way belittle college education he did emphasize the fundamental need of trade education the buying of land the building of homes bank accounts etc these he declared were essential to the highest development of any people as i think of it now and as i thought of it then we considered it perhaps the most remarkable address we had ever heard and coming from a colored man about whom we had felt so much anxiety it was all the more impressive we were not expected to applaud in chapel at sunday evening services but there was a spontaneous outburst of applause from the audience when he sat down and it was prolonged general armstrong arose remarking i'm glad you had the good sense to break the rule on such an occasion he added this is for me as well as for you a very happy hour it is unnecessary to remark that that address was the talk of the year among the students and teachers we had some indian friends who used to come to our rooms after meetings of this sort i recall now that until tapped some eight or ten of us with our indian friends discussed that speech one of the latter john archambault remarked to the group that the only fault he found with booker washington was the fact that he was not an indian my twelve months work at the sawmill was hard and difficult but we got out of it a great deal of pleasure and satisfaction i with my associates learned a great many things especially about lumber and machinery i learned among other things to fire a huge boiler something of the quality of coal and how to get the most out of it i learned to run the big corliss engine much about steam fitting and a good deal about carpentry work though i had worked for a while as a carpenter before there were about twenty-two boys who worked at the sawmill with me during that year 
the record of those boys since leaving hampton what they have done would be interesting reading mr william t westwood our foreman an ex-confederate soldier had very high ideals and insisted frequently against our private protest that we live up to his standards of work and neatness neatness in piling lumber as well as in our personal appearance in overalls even to this day though no longer connected with the school he continues to take a very personal interest in all of the young men who come under his instruction i closed my year at the sawmill in october eighteen eighty six when i entered the regular day school during the previous year i had worked in the day and attended school at night this was customary among students who did not have the means to enter the day school directly i had the choice between entering the highest class in the junior grade or the lowest class in the middle year for i had been promoted from the lowest class in night school after three months and was already a junior in regular standing in the school inasmuch as i would be entering the higher class with two conditions and the lower class with no conditions i preferred the highest junior grade to the lowest middle much to the satisfaction of the head-teacher miss mary f mackey to whom dr washington referred in up from slavery as the one who gave him that now famous entrance examination but i knew my weakness and i knew my deficiencies in english particularly one of the subjects in which i would have been conditioned and i knew further that if i missed the junior training i would probably be handicapped for the remainder of my course it was also true that my knowledge of geography was rather limited i would have been conditioned in that also so i made my choice advisedly soon after this i was made an officer in the battalion and was given charge of one of the boys buildings being responsible to the commandant for the physical care of the building as well as for the conduct of its occupants i recalled that my father yielded under protest to my coming to hampton as a work student urging me to wait another year while he and i saved sufficient money so that i could go to petersburg and not be obliged to do work in the school he felt and i shared his feeling to some extent that i knew all there was to know about work but somehow i discovered during my year as a work student that i was constantly running against new things and new ways of doing old things in the care of my own room in the drill at the sawmill in the night school and even in the dining-room and on the playground my vision grew continually wider and larger and i became more skilled in many ways with many and various things that work year was a sort of initiation into an entirely new life new surroundings new people different races new standards new ideas and ideals and i have always been glad that in spite of my father's protest i had come not because i wished to work but rather because i did not wish to delay another year in getting an education and had taken this year of work at hampton institute but the first year in day school was different i assimilated perhaps unconsciously many of these new ideals while i learned many valuable lessons from books during this first year they were insignificant as compared with the indescribable something which i gathered outside of books very real at hampton and very real to me too which i cannot accurately describe in writing but which was nevertheless very pronounced and very definite in my next year i came in daily contact with a half-dozen or more lady teachers of the sturdy austere exacting yet very kindly new england type and while many of the subjects which they taught were not entirely new the presentation was so different and they brought in so many practical daily life problems not put down in books that i found myself for the first few months in a realm almost as strange and different as my first year one of the most striking subjects as i think of it was natural history or zoology 
which was taught by miss ford who afterward became the wife of general armstrong our collection of numerous specimens the investigation and dissecting of various insects and animals the use of the microscope were all a constant revelation to me of my dense ignorance concerning the common everyday things with which i had been dealing and about which i had thought i knew so much mrs armstrong was a wonderfully strong teacher able to arouse tremendous enthusiasm among her pupils not only to master what was in the textbook but also to augment this by their own investigation and research in order to test the accuracy of the textbook i think also that my work in mathematics under miss j e davis a graduate of vassar college in geography under miss mary e coates in grammar under miss m j sherman a graduate of wellesley college together with my work under others made for me a most interesting inspiring and helpful year i recall too as i am sure every hampton student does who came under their instruction and care the helpfulness of miss helen w ludlow and her intimate friend dr martha m waldron the resident physician of the institute in many other things besides books and studies their loyalty to general armstrong and their devotion to hampton through many years of service had much to do with making the life and work of hampton possible i was not surprised at the end of the year when the announcement was made of my name with many others for promotion to the middle class i was so much impressed with the life at hampton and had enjoyed so much the use of the library where there were more books than i had ever seen before in one place to all of which i had free access as had all students that i asked if i might remain there for the summer vacation and be given work the money that had been placed to my credit during my work year having been considerably reduced i thought that perhaps by remaining i would not only save more money through having less opportunity to spend but that i would also have the use of the library and be in the atmosphere of educated people which was much to my liking i was accordingly assigned to work for the summer and was given more responsibility in connection with the battalion as well as with the young men generally it proved a very pleasant a very profitable summer i went home for a vacation of two weeks in august my first trip away from the school since i had entered nearly two years before i was very anxious to see my parents and friends and of course was equally anxious i think to show my uniform with my first lieutenant's shoulder straps every one was glad to see me white as well as coloured and the older white people were especially cordial one thing i noticed which i could not at that time explain was that many of the young white men with whom i had grown up were much less cordial than their parents and frequently they avoided me and only greeted me after i had greeted them i attended the church and the sunday school and i think i never had a more cordial welcome anywhere with more consideration or one giving me more real pleasure than that from these people at macedonia baptist church with which i had been connected in one way or another since its organization and certainly no mother ever had any more real pride in her son and his appearance than mine at that time it was hard for me to get out of her sight she insisted on going with me almost everywhere i went returning from macedonia church with my mother the first sunday after my return we were pleasantly surprised to meet mr william l vaughan and his wife as they were driving home from the jamestown presbyterian church seeing me with my mother they stopped and greeted us very cordially i was very glad to see them and apparently they were equally glad to see me before parting they asked me to come over and spend the day with them which i did on the following tuesday when they sent their carriage and driver to my mother's home to take me over mr vaughan devoted the entire day to me taking me over the farm on horseback 
looking at the stock acres of tobacco and corn and showing me other points of interest about the place he also asked many questions about hampton institute and about my courses of study and progress there showing a deep interest in all that i was doing as well as in my future he expressed much satisfaction in the fact that i had gone to school rather than into politics and possibly into the legislature for he knew of the incident in my experience a few years before to which i have already referred of course i was greatly interested in all that he showed me on his splendid farm but i was more impressed with the attention and courtesy which he accorded me during the day and i did not fail to notice that he gave me the same consideration in many ways that he and his father had bestowed upon their guests of former years when i worked as a boy upon their plantation while i very much enjoyed the two weeks at home visiting old scenes and old friends there was nevertheless an element of sadness in it all the dwellings barns and fences were unkempt there was an air of disorder and confusion about most things and most people also our church and the choir as well as the sermon of our pastor seemed so different and disappointing and so unsatisfactory that i was rather relieved to get away from it before leaving i discussed this with my mother but she felt that things were not so very different that many things were actually better that the difference was with me i had changed i have no doubt she was correct as she usually was i returned to hampton after an interesting and pleasant though in some ways disappointing visit but i was never before so impressed with the needs of my community along almost every line i was convinced that whatever else i might do there was nothing more worth while than helping just such people in just that kind of a community End of chapter four